Welcome to HBW Insights Over the Counter podcast. I'm David Ridley, HBW's EU Senior Editor, and I'll be hosting this and other Over the Counter podcasts. You'll also hear my colleague Hannah Daniel hosting some of the episodes. Hannah has recently joined HPW as a health and wellness reporter and we'll be looking at the hottest issues in consumer health from a US perspective. Together we will be speaking to industry experts and insiders about what's going on in the global health, beauty and wellness market from an industry point of view. In this episode, I'm talking to HBW editors Malcolm Spicer and Tom Gallen about what to expect from the upcoming Q1 sales and earnings reports from the world's biggest consumer health companies. We reflect on what has happened in the last 12 months or so during the COVID pandemic and what the next few months might hold for industry. The return of cough and cold, inflation and the war in Ukraine and spin-outs are all major factors shaping the market right now. So uh, welcome both uh, to the podcast again. Um, be good to talk about uh, the, you know, what the companies are up to, uh, looking ahead to the Q1 uh, sales and earnings. Looking back to the most recent reports, um, I was looking through your articles. I saw that uh, some of the common themes were, um, for example, the return of cough and cold. So there's a lot of talk about uh, the cough and cold season coming back again. Uh, this winter we, uh, and the cough and cold season was impacted you know really heavily by covid uh, people staying at home etc um, and then there's the continued demand for wellness and self-care products broadly understood but you know vitamins supplements um, but also you know some of the other kind of newer categories around mental health uh, or you know the borderlines with personal care for example um, and then uh, e-commerce still, I think, that's a major driver. Uh, you see in a lot of company reports. Um, and then it, it seems like, you know, the the turbulence hasn't held back uh, companies from investing either. So launches, some good launches have, have driven growth in a lot of companies, it seems. Um, and then also, you know, looking ahead to some of the spin-outs um, and standalone consumer healthcare moves that we're seeing, which I'm sure we'll talk about, some of the rationalisation of portfolios um, that seem to have also had a positive impact on on growth. I don't know what you two think about that kind of overview, whether uh, you'd agree or you could maybe disagree. I don't know, Malcolm, you want to go first? Thanks, David. Um, you, make, you certainly make some uh, bold points and uh, well, bold face points, I should say, with the cough and cold returning and uh, uh, the investments and so on. Uh, and, uh, uh, and and those and it's cannot be overstated, honestly, how much, uh, you know, the large consumer health companies uh, really uh, anticipated the return of a more normal cough and cold season. Um, those cat that category of products, you know, really are uh, expected sales drivers every year, <clears throat> and uh, you know, as a result of uh, the COVID shutdown, everybody wearing masks to prevent spreading COVID, we also 
prevent spreading cough and cold more, you know, more benign cough and cold uh, germs uh, over the past two cough cold seasons. So they're really hoping and I'd say they're more devout of the uh, people in these companies would be praying for uh, uh, a return of cough cold uh, to a more normal pace. Uh, and, and we may see that. Uh, and, uh, you know, they're. Uh, uh, line extensions or more costly ex, uh, expansions through acquiring uh, additional brands or even whole companies uh, also could uh, uh, affect uh, the, the numbers uh, as, uh, this year for the, the first quarter as far as compared to the previous quarter. Um, uh, I, I think too that the, the, as you again uh, alluded to, uh, companies are uh, uh, are putting the uh, large part of the problems with the shipping and supply behind them. I think I don't think it's gone completely that those problems are gone completely. That is, but I think uh, you know that those uh, the cost from those problems are going to be a, a smaller influence this time in, in their numbers in their results. Uh, however, uh, and, and I speak from a U.S. perspective. Uh, the companies went into the uh, this quarter, not only this quarter, but previously, but but uh, uh, more markedly in this quarter, they went into it, you know, with a, a lot of price increases. Taking pricing is the term of art. Um, and uh, so because their costs were going up, reference the uh, supply and, and shipping costs and so on. And then so they, they had to. Uh, in turn uh, raise the prices that they're that they're you know they want their retailers to charge the consumer uh, but uh you know consumers uh, in, inflation in the u.s was uh, you know eight percent in the first quarter um and uh and 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 i don't think consumers uh incomes are increasing uh in step and uh with the product prices increasing I really anticipate that volume is going to be down uh, significantly, significantly across consumer health companies. At least, again, I'm speaking from a U.S. perspective uh, in their results for the first quarter. Um, the uh, it just uh, cannot be uh, certainly nobody is ignoring it. I would I think, but it cannot it cannot be uh, again overstated how much of an influence inflation. And, uh, and and the uh, kind of corresponding price increases on the products uh, are going to uh, affect uh, the, the consumer health company's results for the first quarter. Yeah, I think you make a good point about inflation. I think, you know, there may be um, a lot of hope um, and, you know, some kind of rosy forward looking uh, statements. But I think we can all see inflation's gone up massively. Uh, and like you say, the problem is that um you know, even if the prices go up uh, for products, which absorbing some of that impact on companies, that's going to affect consumer demand, isn't it? And I think that's going to have some impact down the road. And then, of course, we've got a war in uh, Ukraine at the moment, um, and we don't really know how that's going to impact long term yet. Yeah, I, I uh, was remiss, really, in not mentioning Ukraine. Uh, uh, however, in whatever ways it might be affecting Consumers as well as the industry, uh, there there probably will be some measurable impact on the uh, on the spending and on you know on the results from the companies and on consumer spending due to the Ukraine uh, uh, war. Yeah, thanks, Malcolm. Um, Tom, what about from your point of view? 
Thanks, Dave. Yeah, well, I think, you know, Malcolm made some great points there, and, you know, especially on the inflation side of things. You know, that's something obviously we're seeing in Europe as well. I think today or previous day, I think, um, you know, UK inflation was running at somewhere like six or seven percent. So close to the eight percent Malcolm mentioned. Um, but I think if we look at, um, you know, a year on year comparison, so you know, with the numbers that are going to be reported in the first quarter compared to 2021, um, you know, the major companies are, are actually facing like really favourable comparisons um, because in the same period in 2021, the numbers went down, sales went down significantly of the cough and cold products because that year they were facing a you know really tough comparison with 2020 when uh, the pandemic kicked off and everyone rushed out to buy um you know fill their medicine cabinets with um you know all these cough and cold products sort of you know um as kind of fear of 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 the virus started to spread you know in like March 2020 so if you look at the you know the sales figures from the first quarter last year in Europe, at least, and I'm, I'm, I imagine it's a pretty similar picture in the US. You know, all the major multinationals that that we follow closely were down; their sales were down either um, at or close to double di- double digits. So, you know, even if the um, while Malcolm, I'm sure, is right that you know volumes may be um, you know lower compared to the previous quarter compared to the um, you know quarter a year ago for the cough and cold products i imagine you know most of the companies will be reporting and be hoping to report some pretty solid increases and do you uh, do you want to just uh go into any highlights uh, from the companies that you're looking at at the moment that you want to pick out tom um well i think you know as i say coming up to this quarter you know you expect for um you know gsk sanofi Reckitt and Bayer being, you know, the major European based consumer health players for Q1, definitely expecting them all to, you know, post, you know, at least sort of um, small sales increases, just as I say, because of the comparison uh, compared with the previous year. Um, If you kind of look at, you know, pick out a few things of what they're kind of focusing on, obviously GSK, the biggest player in Europe and also internationally, you know, their main focus at the moment is the spin-off of their consumer health business, which they've scheduled for July uh, of this year. Um, and they gave uh, a Capital Markets Day presentation uh, about a month or so ago, and that kind of detailed their plans for that. Um, you know, they're looking at kind of four to six percent um, growth over the medium term so you know pretty ambitious they're feeling feeling pretty uh, bullish about the business as a, as a standalone operation um, and you know kind of linking back to what um, you mentioned earlier Dave and some of the the trends you'd seen you know they picked out um, kind of e-commerce as, a, as an important driver of sales as well as um, natural product launches you know I know you mentioned the you know importance of launches before um, and they also mentioned um, Switch as well, which is, you know, across, you know, you know globally, Europe and US, Switch, you know, is a, a massive um, driver of growth. So that's, they've not, GSK haven't 
haven't kind of uh, identified exactly um, kind of which products or which categories they'll be focusing on for Switch. Um, but, you know, as we know, that's, a, a, that's an important sales driver. Um, and another company, European company, that has kind of focused on Switch to drive growth is obviously Sanofi. Um, and they have um, kind of, this is kind of moving into Malcolm's territory, but they've, um, you know, set out their plans to make a couple of switches in the US over the next few years. Um, the erectile dysfunction treatment Cialis and the flu treatment Tamiflu. Um, and in their annual report, fourth quarter report, the um, head of uh, Sanofi Consumer Health gave some, you know, kind of update, kind of updated, uh, you know, the market on where they are with those uh, switch programs. And the kind of the message was, it, you know, they're on track. But she said that she hoped to share more in Q1. So we'll definitely be looking out for um, that when Sanofi reports its results later this month. And it's worth just mentioning, isn't it, that um, in Poland, that Tadalafil was actually um, recently switched. Um, so that's a good sign, I would say, hopefully. Yeah, I would think so. I mean, you know, when the FDA, um, you know, assesses um, Sanofi's switch application for Cialis, you know, it won't have a, um, you know, a significant bearing on it. But I'm sure, you know, the fact that, you you know, as you say, teladafil has been switched in Poland and then uh, Sildenafil has been switched in quite a number of markets in Europe. Uh, I'm sure Sanofi will kind of point to that as examples that, you know, consumers can um, self-select these products and use them um, safely. I hope you're enjoying this episode of Over the Counter so far. Don't forget to follow Pharma Intelligence Podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify and TuneIn. Also check out HBW Insight at hbw.pharmaintelligence.informa.com for all the latest health, beauty and wellness news and intelligence. Keep listening. This episode continues now. Malcolm, I don't know if you want to come in now. You've probably got a good uh, view on this, being in the US with your your wide knowledge of FDA um, switch procedures and, and been following this as well. Um, thank you again, David. Uh, and and Tom makes some great points. Uh, if I could start actually on his point about the the year ago, the year to year comparison, that really is uh, the most uh, 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 usable point the usable reference for the companies because that's what they're doing they're they're comparing it to a year ago and and in fact year yeah last q1 2021 was was slow compared to q1 2020 and so um it'll probably be in that regard it'll look good but uh, but again i'm thinking volume is going to be way down uh maybe not in cough coal but uh typically across consumer health um uh the consumer health uh you know businesses for the various pharmas as well as for companies that are only in consumer health um as far as fda and switches uh uh erectile dysfunction drugs are, are low priority for uh um 
uh, for FDA to to certainly to to deny encouraging a switch there uh, or directly or specifically for uh, you know the various ingredient ingredients. And I think uh, Sanofi and the other companies uh, realize that, and and that and that is uh, manifest in they know the FDA is going to have a high bar to clear for convincing them that it's uh, that a consumer can you know safely uh, self-diagnose, self-select, and and so on. Um, there you know there is concern that the ingredient I think all the ingredients for ED, uh, all the active ingredients could could uh, in, uh, have a uh, a uh, reaction with uh, uh, drugs that uh, men take for heart condition or other things, and uh, so I think FDA prefers a uh, learned professor, healthcare professional, still to be in on that. Uh, the Sanofi, another company, could very well convince FDA, and there is another company. Uh, uh, the name escapes me now. It's a much smaller company that is doing an NDA. I mean, doing clinical trials for a ED ingredient. Um, and they, you know, it may very well uh, be a switch of that. But again, it's just a case of FDA is concerned about, uh, you know, men using it who perhaps, quote unquote, need it, but really shouldn't have it because of other conditions. Uh, also, uh, going uh, by, you know, along companies, Johnson and Johnson and, and Bosch too, they both will have a lot to talk about as far as their spinout plans. Uh, and and uh, and GSK. Uh, may also uh, ha- still be talking about that, that with their earnings uh, results. Um, the, uh, you know, the, the spin out, the IPO or whatever uh, mechanism they're using won't be uh, enumerated in the results, but, uh, you know, it'll be a topic of conversation both in, in the uh, prepared remarks and in the questions uh, during the earnings briefing. Uh, because, you know, those are big moves. Uh, Bosch is big, not as big as Johnson & Johnson, of course, but uh, they uh, they were they got their ball rolling before Johnson & Johnson. I don't think it before GSK, though, on splitting the consumer health. And so uh, it'll be a, uh, it'll be a uh, uh, big point of conversation, big point of questioning during uh, during the uh, briefings uh, and also Perigo. Uh, although it's not the first uh, quarter since they, you know, went totally uh, consumer health focused by getting rid of their RX uh, division, but it is the first report since they've uh, done a couple things, uh, notably on switch. You know, they they got a switch approval for Nasonex uh, 24-hour allergy. Uh, I'm sorry, I can't think of the active ingredient right now, um, but it's another of the of the uh, once blockbuster RX intranasal. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, uh, intracorticosteroid uh, allergy treatments uh, that, uh, you know, uh, uh, FDA was convinced is, uh, is safe for use as an OTC drug. Uh, and of course, it's, F- it's uh, Perigo's first switch and their first national brand. Uh, they haven't launched it yet. So again, the, uh, the, uh, that product won't be reflected in the numbers and the results. However, I'm sure it'll be a big topic of conversation in, in during the earnings briefing. Um, on the uh, on the uh, nutritional product, the food supplement side, I think yeah, we're going to you know see that as you mentioned early in very early in this, David, that uh, you know consumer health, nutritional health is still on the upswing uh, as for people more people want to be preventive in their health care to prevent. COVID as well as other things. And I think uh, 
uh, sales of dietary supplements, food supplements are going to reflect that, uh, continue to reflect that in the results from the first quarter. Thanks, Malcolm and and Tom for the the highlights there. Lots of detail. Um, yeah, it's just probably worth mentioning also that um, you know HRA recently switched um, the daily contraceptive pill in the UK, which was a big alongside another company uh, switched at the same time. Um, that was a big switch. So obviously, you know, HRA, uh, you know, major kind of switch successes adding to Perigo's ambitions, I think, uh, make a good combination if that goes through. Um, and then I, when I was reading the articles, I noticed, I didn't know this before, but J&J are also going to um, give the spin-out company a new name. So GSK have announced that they uh, Consumer healthcare standalone is going to be called Halion. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, I think that's right. <laughs> but yeah, so we've got another new name coming, hopefully. It'll be interesting. I honestly I hadn't thought about that other than when reading that uh, J&J will do that. Uh, it'll be very interesting. Certainly some consultants, probably multiple consultancies are getting a good paycheck from J&J to help with that, to uh, find a name. So, uh, so yeah, that's a great overview. So just, you know, thinking more widely, um, do you, what do you think about um, you know the next few months? Are we going to see everyone? I mean, we're already emerging out of um, the coronavirus pandemic to a certain extent in the UK, where me and Tom are based. You know, we've got full freedoms essentially, um, and I'm not sure what it's looking like in the US. But then elsewhere, we've got countries going back into lockdown. Uh, in China, for example, uh, New Zealand recently been in lockdown. Uh, what do you both think? Um, just speculating <laughs> definitely wouldn't want to uh try and uh, predict what might happen at this point um i mean you know from obviously our perspective in europe things look to have kind of returned to sort of more normal or a a, a new normal perhaps um as you say and you know things are opened up and and you know people are kind of going about their usual business and you know I think that'll be reflected in the um, sales for the rest of the year um, and you know I think if you kind of go back to the you know the annual reports um, you know I think most of the major companies in Europe were you know pretty confident of um, you know re- achieving sales growth uh, in 2022 um, and you know trying to keep up with the market you know which is I think expected to kind of continue to grow around four percent um, and as I mentioned previously as well GSK you know and their new guys as, as Haley on there targeting four to six percent um, you know and I think it's um, you know consumer health is is you know the place to be at the moment I think you know, as we see with GSK, um, you know, spinning off J&J, spinning off, you know, there's a lot of, um, you know, headroom for growth. Um, and actually, when I was doing some reading to prepare for this, um, I was looking at one of uh, Malcolm's articles from the recent CHPA conference. Um, and he picked out some comments from uh, Bayer's uh, consumer health head, Heiko Shipper, um, who was kind of asked about, you know, with so many of Bayer's competitors looking to spin off and, you know, essentially get out of consumer health. You know, is that something Bayer might do? Um, and he actually said, you know, why would you want to get rid of a, an amazing business 
um, and quote, he said, this is an amazing time to be in consumer health, which I think um, sums it up well, kind of brings it back uh, maybe, Dave, to some of the comments you meant earlier, made earlier about, you know, the rise of, uh, of wellness. And we've certainly seen that reflected in the numbers in 2021 in terms of supplement sales. And, you know, I don't see any reason why, um, you know, that couldn't continue uh, this year as well. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we've written a lot about self-care uh, as a trend, as a kind of mega trend and wellness, you know, from both sides of the Atlantic. Um, just as a, an indicator of things maybe going back to normal, it, I should probably mention that the European um, Self-Care Industry Association, AESGP, are having their first in-person meeting, um, you know, since before COVID, basically, um, in Spain on the 7th and 8th of June. So, you know, I think the industry is is ready to just get on with it. I think that's a that's a real indicator of that. Um, Malcolm, what's it looking like your side? You know, consumer health is as important as ever, uh, if not you know if not more. Um, the industry uh, and I guess uh, to a lesser extent, uh, regulatory agencies want consumers to be more uh, attuned with their with their own health and therefore you know being better at preventive care. And taking care of yourself before big problems uh, um, come on. Uh, when you spread that across across a population, across a you know a county, city, a country, whatever, uh, you know uh, the healthcare spending for that area goes down. And uh, you know that that uh, that's been quantified by the uh, the trade group here. CHPA is saying that if for every dollar in spending on OTC drugs, there's uh, some amazing number less of healthcare spending that results. How they how they calculate that probably is interesting, but it's still uh, uh, something to think about. Um, I think uh, uh, the, you know the as we largely the consumer health companies that we cover are part of much larger pharma companies. Uh, and uh, I, I, none of them have said that uh, consumer health isn't a good business uh, or, you know, a, a growth, a sales growth driver. Uh, the, those that are spinning out, uh, they just say that they, they can do more. They can more efficiently work their pharma and in some cases medical technology businesses when they're not part of a larger company that includes a consumer health business. And the same goes, the same holds for the consumer health business. It can operate more efficiently on its own. Um, it, you know, there, there are probably analogies in other industries where companies, you know, got had related businesses, but they were so different that it became difficult for them to operate as one. Um, and David, you or Tom, you might have a, have an example, but uh, I just think it's, it's that the companies are so big that it's difficult to operate as one when you have businesses that are yes related, but you know widely different uh, in in what they do, and and also uh, the rate of the returns, you know, because this you know the price of a consumer OTC drug is a lot less than the price of any RX drug, and so it's a different numbers. Uh, which I think is a big part of it too. That the you know the 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 uh, the margin in the OTC dietary supplement is much much less than what uh, the companies get in the RX and MedTech side. Yeah, that's a fair point. I think you know there'll be a lot more said about uh, these spinouts over the next few months. Um, you know, as they become more progressed. So uh, we'll just keep reporting on that and see if we can get some more uh, info on the whys. Uh, and where things are going. 
But I think that's uh, that's a good point to finish. I think there's a lot to chew on there. Hopefully our listeners have enjoyed that. And obviously watch out for the articles that are coming up. I think Tom and Malcolm, you're both planning to publish uh, previews over the next few days. Is that right? So we're going to do it Monday, right, Tom? Yeah. Yeah. Great. Well, we look forward to that. And um, yeah, thanks both for your time. Um, thanks for coming on the show. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Over the Counter. Listen out for more episodes every two weeks and check out the further reading section of the article published on hbw.farmerintelligence.informer.com for related news and intelligence. And don't forget to follow, share and comment on Farmer Intelligence Podcasts on the platform of your choice. See you next time.